Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Performance Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to like the video and subscribe for future content. For more information about our one-on-one coaching and other training or nutrition options, visit giftedperformance.com. Our newest feature, the Gifted Express, offers premium programming for bodybuilders, powerlifters, Olympic weightlifters, and lifestyle clients for only $30 a month. Enjoy the video. We'll see you on the next one. And as always, stay gifted. Welcome back. Another episode of the GPP, Gifted Performance Podcast, giving you knowledge and practical takeaways to improve your own general physical preparedness. I'm coming at you from a new angle today. Got my camera up there now, shooting down. Can see what shirt I'm wearing, which is a nice one. Still got these on the store. Get your Gifted Performance Athlete shirt. Giftperformance.com slash, I honestly don't even know, apparel, shop. I don't really know what the hyperlink is. If we had the guy here who built the website, he might know, but he can't be reached um, today. Maybe we'll uh, we'll get back to him on that. Uh, gentlemen, how are you feeling today? How are things going? What's new in the world of Poly Rocket, the complete meathead, and Dominic Cusa? Wow. Overwhelming <laughs> feedback from the I'm going to go first. I thought we are going in Charlie's order. He's barking. Uh, I'm going to have my kid in like probably 10 days. Yes. I bet Dean is pretty ready for that one. Yes, she is. She's very ready to give birth. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Can Paul's you just not like, ready. Hold on for a little bit. I need some more time to prepare myself. Don't worry, so, Dom. Nothing will change once you have a child. It's the same thing. Yeah, Your life will always be the same. The, yeah. pregnancy, the pregnancy is the hard part for you, Dom. Mm-hmm. That's where you really kind of exhaust yourself. But once that's done, it's pretty much you just don't do anything Smooth from there. Smooth the sailing. <laughs> do you guys want to hear a good idea that I had? We'll start this episode off with with uh, Squat Dad's fantastic idea. So you know how people always say, like, get a dog. It'll get you ready for having a baby. Sure. So I thought of starting an Instagram page that's called Get a Dog. It'll get you ready for having a baby where I just do things with my baby that you would do with like a dog when it's like when you first get it, like my baby out in the yard peeing and pooping and like right. my, my baby with like a chew toy in its mouth and me being like, no, you don't chew that. Like if you catch I, your baby uh, peeing on the floor, you have to yep. run up to it with a newspaper and slap the shit out of it. Look what you I did. Have, Look what you I did. have photographs and videos no. of my son doing all of those things. So that that's a real phenomenon that those are all real. So we, would you mind if we post those photos on my Instagram? Oh, no, not at all. Okay. I perfect. actually would encourage that. Yeah. So you one, know how fast you would be canceled. <laughs> one, one of two things can happen. We go incredibly viral. Or what is it? D D C F D D. What's the? What are the people that come and take your kids away? Well, the, probably the first thing that would happen is you'd see me rolling up yeah, at your house with some blankets ser- in the back of my car. CPS. Because that's what yeah, I'm Child saying. Protective Services. Wait, why is Jay coming to my house with blankets in the back of his car? Because my wife would kick me out oh. of the house. Oh yeah, yeah. If Katie ever kicks you out, you know where to head. Come on home oh, to Papa. We got room Absolutely. for you. <laughs> No, just come come up to Michigan. Definitely don't do I that. I feel like we would have the best time, dude. Did you know Jason used to travel to Michigan regularly? Ugh, do like you know what it would be it. like if Paul, Jason, and I all lived within a five-mile radius of each other? Probably the exact same because we all just sit in our houses and do nothing anyway. That's true. Like, I feel like me and Jason should have been, like, friends 10 years ago when we had no responsibilities whatsoever. Yeah. Ten years ago, when Jason was sixty, he was a lot more fun. That's true. <laughs> right before the <laughs> oh, poor Jason. <laughs> hey, it's okay because we're all incredibly old in this chat now. Dom, have you hit thirty yet? You're twenty nine, right? Twenty seven. <laughs> Why do I always Gross. think you're so old? Why are you aging so poorly? I am very mature. <laughs> He's got an old soul. That's what they say, right? All I right. do have an old soul. So it's a good thing. I, you clicked just, on this video today. Because the title said natural versus enhanced lifting or natural versus enhanced training. It's a, it's a working title. We're going to get there eventually. And we want to start things off with a hot take tweet from an individual that I wasn't super familiar with at first. Um, but I have become more familiar with him with time is uh, Mike Boyle. Mike Boyle is a strength conditioning coach. Um, do you know where he's out of? Jay? Um, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. I said that wrong. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah. Massachusetts. Where all the quality people are from. 
All right, let me share this here so everyone can see what we're seeing. Did it work? Shout outs to my family in Massachusetts. You have family in Massachusetts? I do. The uh, my brother-in-law and his family live in Massachusetts. It's a beautiful part of the country. Right outside of once you get outside of the Patriots fans, everything's pretty cool. Isn't that where Salem is? Does anyone else have trials? Can someone else screen share this? It is. That is where the Salem witch trials. I don't even know who this dude is, where to find his (laughs) shit. How is he even relevant? All right, I'm going to forward this to Dom so that he can open the screen share it. Because for some reason, my screen share isn't working. I locked myself out of my own Twitter, so uh, I can't get to that. So mine got banned for for posting way too much. We're we're going to have to pull up here in a second. Um, Jay said he was. Jay said he was having some battles with people on Twitter regarding this. Jay, what's the what's the, what's the hate mail count at so far? <laughs> I can't get into my. I think that's Twitter's way of telling me that I should not go and read some of the stuff that people were saying. But they locked you uh, out. Where do I go? Oh, oh go. actually, no, I can't get into my Twitter. All right. So people were. Oh boy, where I go? Uh, we're not happy with my response to. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Number one. The first thing that I love about this is he's got it under programming 101. Like this, like when you're getting into programming, this is the thing that you should know, that you must know. And this is the seventh most important lesson right here. I mean, you know, if it was actually solid advice, then <laughs> it, it wouldn't be bad. <laughs> if it there's was a good bunch advice, of advice, it wouldn't be bad advice. Yeah. There's so, a few of these. Write actually. that down, guys. Write that down. Put that on like a motivational poster, cat hanging from a tree. If it wasn't bad advice, it would be good advice. Exactly. Um, All right. So Mr. Boyle here says, uh, Programming 101, Lesson 7. If an acknowledged drug user, so someone who has admitted their drug use or their drug use is common knowledge, something like that, uh, tells you to follow their program, don't do it. Don't do it. For years, we've confused drug use with good programming. Bodybuilders and powerlifters who use drugs probably don't know how to get a non-drug user strong. Uh, it's well, not just bodybuilders. Powerlifters have been the biggest culprits in strength conditioning. Just don't acknowledge it. Don't admit it. I have a question. There you go. I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. When did bodybuilding have to do with being strong? Yeah. A famous man, Kai Green, once said, I'm not a, I'm not a, what did he even say? I'm not a weightlifter. I'm a bodybuilder. And then he, I don't know. I don't understand anything that guy says. For like a set of eight. You're like, yeah, man. But no, like for real, when's bodybuilding ever been about being the strongest? Well, I mean, well, not the strongest, but there's definitely a strength component. You want to get stronger over time, you know? I think like if you're a really big bodybuilder, you probably will have some semblance of like, Strength. Yeah, but like you just got body. strong by association. <laughs> it was a you byproduct. Just absorbed your strength. It was a byproduct of all of those reps. <laughs> so the premise of this being that those who have coached or have gotten strong themselves with the use of performance-enhancing drugs need not comment on non-drug users because the rules of getting strong are completely and entirely different when it comes to enhanced versus non-enhanced lifters. Does anyone want to comment on that? I mean, it's it's an interesting take. And for sure, like, there is a, uh, you know, you can make a lot more, you, you can do a lot more uh, disadvantageous, uh, disadvantageous things or, or, you know, silly shit yeah you, you can get away with more when when you're you're a drug user you know because drug users will cause you to grow and increase strength i mean e- even with we've seen that even without training right so i i mean it, it's an inter- it, it's very surface level thought though to me because just everyone all drug users like no drug user has ever trained naturally or trained people that are natural or trained, you know what I mean? Before they ever um, sort of went on that journey. So they have not, every single drug user has nothing to contribute ever, really. Like, honestly, this just sounds like a really, this guy is just trying to sell himself with, with this post. Listen to me because I'm not that. Is this guy natural? 
Mike Boyle, are you natty? He's natty. All right. We'll tune into our next video. He's Mike, very natty or not. He's very natural and not very young. I had something <laughs> uh, very similar to what Paul said. Um, and he gives the impression that all coaches who are using performance-enhancing drugs have always used performance-enhancing drugs. So at no given time during their – they're like lifetime-enhanced uh, so no given time are they ever trained without enhancement or coached, you know, they, they didn't make any, I, what's the best way I'm trying to explain this. Um, they at some point in time made no progress as a drug free, uh, athlete and then immediately went to drugs and that's when they made progress. So they have no reference point whatsoever as to when they made progress without use of enhancement. It, it's a, it's just a weird statement altogether. Yeah, I guess, I guess that kind of means like, so let's say you started out your career natural, like most people do, lifted, got bigger, stronger by applying basic principles of exercise physiology and strength conditioning. As soon as you pinned for the first time, it was like the men in black wipe your mind device. So you completely lost anything that you had previously used to get bigger, strong, or the other individuals that you worked with to get bigger, strong, that first time that dreaded needle entered your body, you were just completely lost. You lost it all. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting take. Dude, have you read through these comments on this post? <clears throat> I'm sure they're not good. Well, it's like half and half. You got like the super natty boys going like, oh, yeah, cheers. Like, I learned this the hard way. Should have never listened to anybody. But then I have clients actually commenting on it. <laughs> Who's in there? Is it Joey? Madison. Madison McMurray. Wow. She said, a good coach will be experienced with natural and enhanced athletes. Whether or not they're enhanced won't have an effect on their knowledge of training, nutrition, etc. A good coach is a good coach, period. That's Madison. basically what I said on the post on Twitter was I said, you know, a bad coach is a bad coach, full stop. Like there's no this whole deal where it's like, oh, if you're if you're an, a natural coach, then you probably have uh, more of a bearing as to how to get someone to make progress. And if somebody that if you are enhanced as a coach, like that's just a weird way of it's like saying if you're a coach who wears red pants, you're a better coach than someone that doesn't wear red pants. It's just a weird statement to make. What's wrong with red pants? I love red pants. I got red I, pants on right now. I, I should put on some right now. My Taekwondo pants are red. So here's, so here's a, here's what I think he's getting at here. You take someone like uh, Larry Wheels, admitted dumpster juice level bodybuilder. Go ahead and click the video. If you haven't seen it already, click the tier list video so you can see what we're talking about here. But Larry Wheels, like Larry Wheels didn't get very strong because he understood the ins and outs of periodization and phasic potentiation and the things that make you stronger and bigger over time. Larry Wheels was built different. He combined that with drugs and then he decided to sell 1999 training templates those training templates will not make the average user much stronger. But even in this extreme scenario of someone who has elite tier genetics and combine that with drugs, they will still get stronger, like marginally stronger, because that is the effect that training has. When you do it, you get stronger, even if it's the worst of the worst. Dom? Um, I, why don't we think about Westside on this topic? Like, yeah, his camp was very drug and, you know, drug exposure. Everybody pretty much at Westside was on drugs. But the things he taught were carried out of Westside to a lot of natural power lifters. And his chain use technique, his band use technique, things like that helped natural power lifters add a lot of poundage to their lifts. So, yes, Westside was a very drug-driven program, but a lot of non-drug users used his teachings to get better at their lifts. So the same can be said for the Bulgarian system of weightlifters. Like Ivan Abje have developed the Bulgarian system of weightlifting and the other coaches around that time 
with the explicit understanding that these athletes are only going to survive and thrive within this system because of the drugs that they are using. There are plenty of natural, lifetime natural weightlifters and powerlifters who use similar, very high intensity, high frequency programs to get a lot stronger. And then we can take this into the bodybuilding world with someone like John Jewett. Like, I don't think anyone thinks that John is natural. Like, John will tell you himself that he's not natural. But are there natural athletes that are enrolled in his program using his teachings to get bigger and stronger? Like, yeah, of course there are. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, which you can't even argue, is the... What, what is the most important thing drugs provide somebody? It's recovery. A good coach should be able to program volume for that aspect of somebody not having that recovery aspect as a drug user would. Like, I think this is so, this is super surface level thought. This is very, it's kind of almost like embarrassing. He actually thought like this. I, I think it's throwing like, like a giant blanket, like over everyone where it's like, like, yeah, you probably shouldn't just assume every like drug user selling a template on Instagram has something valuable to offer, but like good coaching is good coaching. You're monitoring variables and you're adjusting programming based off of that, you know? Well, you can even look at coaching programs like, like CSCS, like it's not based off of drug users. It's based off of a natural athlete. They teach you how to program for a natural athlete. If I have a CSCS, but I use performance enhancing drugs, you shouldn't listen to me. It's like the, the rules don't change as much as people think between the two camps. It's not like because you're using performance enhancing drugs, all of a sudden all the rules change and you can just throw everything out the window and now programming becomes nothing. You can just do whatever you want and you're going to get stronger. And you're going to, I guess there is some subtle truth there, but not as much as what people think. Um, I think Mike Boyle historically, especially as of late has been trying to sort of poke jabs at other coaches who have, very successful athletes who are enhanced. <clears throat> so this is kind of his, this is, he's decided that this may be, uh, you know, his rock to die on, um, to make these comments. He's, he's, he's basically attacking the other can. I, I really think that's a, a very strange way to look at it. Like the other camp. Um, I feel like this is him. He's decided that this is the thing that he's going to do. No, yeah, he's 100% trying to discredit other individuals to drive business and eyes towards him himself. Yeah, there's right? another coach. But it's interesting. Uh, like, we, we live in different times now, too, right? Where, like, there, there's a, a larger wealth of knowledge that's readily acceptable for people to kind of take in. And a lot more people are looking into the sciences. They're learning strength and conditioning conditioning and exercise physiology. And so there are a lot of hands individuals that have that knowledge base these days, you know, it's not so much, um, you know, it's, it's not maybe the, the landscape of enhanced coaching that he, Mike Boyle, 1959 grew up with. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, he's making shot, I guess, uh, one of my, he's, he's a younger guy that I used to work with Troy shout outs to Troy. He's sort of an up and coming strength and conditioning coach. And he, he brought that to my attention that Mike Boyle's taking shots at uh, Charlie Francis, who was another coach um, who, and who coaches, you know, a lot of his clients or athletes are enhanced. So I think this is his way, Mike Boyle's way of trying to create these two camps. Um, and I, I, I don't, I mean, I'm old, and I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff that, you know, I might dig my heels in on just because I am old, but I feel like this is a situation where ugh, someone's age is starting to show a little bit because I don't know if he's really up on the times. The, the list of people that you probably don't want to take shots at near the top is Charlie Francis. Like when you look at like legends of the sport, like guys who have been correct about almost everything for decades like that's not the guy you pinpoint but like you know what that guy's had it wrong this whole time let me show him on twitter let me let me let me take some shots at old old charlie francis yeah and i mean i think mike boyle's done <clears throat> a lot of good like he, 
you'd be a little bit ignorant to just say that he doesn't know what he's talking about. He does know what he's talking about, and he's created a lot of champions, and a lot of people have done well under his tutelage, but this is just a very bad take. Yeah, this is not intended to be uh, shit on Mike Boyle 1959 fest or discredit everything that he's done. This is just looking at a single statement from him. But, Jay, you said something that stood out to me. I disagree. I think we should shit all over this guy. (laughs) All right, Mike, get ready. Here it comes. (laughs) Um, Jay, you said something where you said that the rules don't change. Like, when when you transition from being natural to enhance to the other direction, the rules of the sport don't change. It's more so just an adaptation of the same game. It's a manipulation of that same game. So it's not so much like chess and checkers. Yeah, it's like it's like the rules don't change, but the results change. That's the thing. Like how you get there doesn't really change. Where you end up does change by a lot. My analogy is always like driving a Prius and driving an F1 car are like roughly the same in that they are both cars and the gas makes you go and the brake makes you stop. And there's like gears that you have to shift between. But the speed with which you can travel, what you can get away with when you drive, and the kind of risk associated is where you start to see things deviate. That's my analogy. So therefore, I it's like a good it. One. I like it. I like it. Paul, if you got something it's, on your It's mind. cool that you say um, like the rules don't change much because there are a lot of people with the this opinion, and I even share this opinion that when someone goes enhanced they shouldn't immediately change everything about their training. They should roughly train exactly the same. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because even when you first start, you still have to gauge your response. Maybe this is a good time to kind of transition away from the Mike Boyle stuff and talk specifically about the topic at hand, which is like, when you do go from natural to enhance, what, what are some of the training manipulations that you, that you do have to make? Or that you, you should train seven days a week. Seven days yeah. a week, every set to failure. Because you can recover now, you know, you're enhanced. Unlimited recovery. No, I think that's an interesting point that you brought up as far as um, sort of observing, you know, what's happening with your training and your training outcomes and then making changes from there. Instead of like, some people will just assume like, oh, my recovery is going to be better. I can handle way more volume, right? And they start throwing more at themselves. These are going to be the, like the, the second easiest gains of your life. Like your, your first initial easy gains were when you were just a complete noob and you grew at an extremely fast rate anyway, or got stronger at an extremely fast rate. Like, let these also be some easy gains, like enjoy some easy gains when when you can get them and then increase the volume from there as needed. And you may even find as an enhanced individual, at least from a hypertrophy perspective, that certain body parts may become more prominent or grow at a different rate just just from that transition, right? Like we we sort of see that in, um, you know, it's often claimed that, a lot of people will look at like delts and traps and things like that and be like, Oh, there's no way this guy is natty. Look at how big his delts are. But, and although that that's a really odd thing to sort of base that off of, and it's not necessarily true. Like we do sort of see that with, with enhanced individuals that some body parts tend to um, be a little more responsive. Here's a, here's a position that I've heard from, I don't want to get it wrong. I think it was Lane. If it wasn't Lane, sorry, Lane. <clears throat> Just kidding. I don't say that. <laughs> Never in my life. Um, so he made the point of, you know, drug users can probably actually get away with not only less like protein in the diet because of the increase, you know, most proteins that this response and protein sparing, nitrogen sparing and all that kind of good stuff. But they can also probably get away with less training as well because they will get an amplified response for each unit of training. Was that something that you would agree with, disagree with, comments, concerns, just general? I, I would agree with that. Huh? Uh, I would huh? agree with that. Like surface, like initially, yes. Like, and that's a fine thing. Like you, you can get more out of less, right? But you can also take advantage of more, right? You can so also at some get point- more out of more. 
Yeah, I know. Right. And, and at some point, if you want to be the best bodybuilder or get the best adaptations that you can, like you're, you're going to want to, uh, expose that, that capability. Um, like, you know, and, and it's something that we sort of have some, that's been suggested in the literature too, that there's, there is a synergistic impact, but it also seems somewhat additive. Like there's a certain amount of hypertrophy that will occur just from using drugs. And there's a certain amount of hypertrophy that will occur from your training. So if you can optimize that training, um, it's sort of like a compounding effect. You just, you get more, right? From, and this is a genuine question that I don't know the answer to, so I hope you know the answer, uh, or someone in here knows the answer. <clears throat> From a strength training standpoint, I know a lot of PEDs drive strength up as a result of like increased substrate storage. What are, like, what are the effects on the neuromuscular system or the nervous system? Is this, is this a good, is this, is this too much here for you? The effects of the nervous system of various. Is there a direct impact there that increases neural drive and increases strength and force output? What's the effect there? Well, we know we know DHTs interact with the nervous system, and what's a DHT? Uh, Broger, I'm an idiot. Broger, DHTs, DHT derivative performance enhancing drugs. So, testosterone breaks off into DHT, and then from DHT they make compounds from them. And they have a specific way of interacting with the neurological system, like the nervous system. So we see a bit more neural load. That's why you'll see athletes in like, in certain sports use more of that family of drugs because of that. And then I also, to add to your neural load, neural drive being what helps with the load. I also think the aggression, the aggression effect of some of the compounds bring helps with moving poundage too because we know some people respond differently to different compounds and creates more aggression for them thus you know supplying more i don't even i guess you could say more output for their movement yeah i mean there are just talking about from a straight perspective there there are a lot of and it's something that an enhanced individual will notice is that even without you know, before they, they achieve significant levels of hypertrophy, they'll often get a lot stronger, like already off the rip pretty quickly, you know, and there are a lot of things that contribute to that. Like, I'm pretty sure there's some evidence showing that like testosterone can inhibit like the Golgi tendon reflex. And then um, the, uh, you know, testosterone will also cause like a stronger release of calcium, you know, um, man, there's through sheer like uh what is it Im improving muscle volume you'll you'll improve leverages and things like that for for some lifts things like that so and then yeah then there's the the neural components that that like dom mentioned so and then also too we'll we see competitiveness for the glucocorticoids receptor so there's not as much catabolism going on uh, which aids in recovery obviously so so give, give the people a just general kind of like you were enhanced or you were natural, you're moving over to enhanced. What are some general rules for changes that should be made to training just from the start? What are some things that you guys as coaches would change about the program maybe in those first two to four months? So I, I wouldn't say that these are necessarily changes that I, I, I would make off the rip, but they're, they're definitely considerations that I would have, right? Like when an individual go, is enhanced, they're going to be getting stronger at a faster rate. So that changes a lot of things, right? Like if you're getting significantly stronger at a faster rate, like the assumption is, okay, these things enhance recovery, you should be able to do more. But, you know, when, when the now we're talking about the stressor, the, the burden of training on your body, that stressor will increase drastically over that over that uh, enhanced period, that that course or that cycle or whatever. So 
like you, you may have to be actually more careful because uh, about intentional increases in volume and set number and all those things because when let's say you add 80 pounds in 16 weeks to a barbell press like that increased your volume already now that's a greater uh that that is a greater burden on recovery not just of your muscle but like connective tissue structures and things like that you know and i even will so so there that 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 sort of addresses like a volume recovery component right so being careful about that and not just going in and assuming we just need to start adding all these sets because now our recovery is better but now uh, even the, the other components of your training are, are going to become greater stressors, right? So like you're, you're taking longer to warm up on things like squats. You're, you go from using 60 pound dumbbells to like 110 pound dumbbells. So like over that 16 week period, you're now carrying those across the gym and you're having to get them up into position. So that causes more fatigue. It requires more warm up time. Um, so sometimes with with individuals like and it's less of a problem with newer individuals but more of a problem with very experienced individuals right like if somebody has like a 600 pound six or 700 pound squat like I, i'm probably not going to want them to squat on cycle because we're just blowing a whole lot of time and a whole lot of fatigue you know systemic fatigue the time to it takes to warm up the number of warm-up sets and uh you know, by the time they're done with three to five sets of squats or something like that, they're just like, dude, I'm ready to go home. I still have stiff leg deadlifts. I still have lunges to do some leg extensions, you know? So a lot of times as people sort of progress through that, we start using more machines when they're on cycle, you know, things that are easier to get through, easier to warm up with just in general, less fatiguing physically, but also psychologically. And then, during the periods where they're not expected to make the most of their progress, you know, that's where we might use some of those more fatiguing tools if they are an adequate tool for the job or whatever. Jay, I'll take you back in time. He said, you know, you get through your four to six sets of squats. That's when you and I in the back of zoo health club <laughs> would look at each other and say, the fun has just begun brother. <laughs> Let's get just let's, getting started. Let's get into the real meat of the workout. <laughs> Our fourteen oh. drop sets of leg extensions. There, there was something too. Uh, I, I saw a, a really popular sort of programming group. Um, Who was it? <laughs> so, uh, but recommend from training cycle to training cycle, letting reps increase. Right. So like, let's say you pick a load, you start off doing sets of five, right? Then your next training cycle, you're doing sets of eight, your next training. So it's almost like reverse linear, you know, except volume isn't coming down um, or uh, number of, no, reverse linear. Yeah, something similar to that. Uh, I thought it was really interesting, but it was recommended for natural athletes. And I was thinking, and I was looking, and I was like, this is actually what I do with my enhanced athletes. Like my, my natural guys, like I, I actually push them more in the direction of like a linear block style programming where training is consistently getting heavier. But for the enhanced guys, especially the ones that are getting really strong at a fast rate, you know, it, it may be a little easier for them and their connective tissue structures and things like that to allow reps to creep up over time versus coming down. Because like I said, if you add 80 pounds to a, a 10 RM over 16 weeks, what does that do to your 5 RM, right? Yeah, eventually I the think... loads become like oppressive. If you are- Well, you mentioned something. Up. You mentioned something that I think when you were saying it, it made a lot of sense to me because it's like even when I work with a really strong natural lifter, I'll basically handle it the same way that you mentioned for an enhanced lifter. Like I'm not trying like if they're getting if they're really strong, especially as a bodybuilder, like I'm I might not have them squat. Like if you're a really strong squatter at that point, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. Cause like you said, it takes a ton of time to warm up. Um, and then thinking about joint structures, if you're dieting for a show, you really, like you, you tend to not have as much like sort of cushion to allow that to be safe. Um, and then 
it, it just becomes a point. It gets to the point where as I program it or I write the program, like what, what are we going for here? Like what, what are we doing? Is there, is this really necessary? If this isn't a competition lift, there's probably no need for you to squat bench and deadlift as a bodybuilder because it just, especially when you're really, really strong at it, it just, I guess the potential risk versus reward starts to become so skewed that it doesn't really make any sense anymore. Yeah. And can you imagine if you're an enhanced lifter and you're getting so like really strong at a rapid rate and you're trying to bring up like lagging body parts and be smart about where you put your volume, you know? Jay, you want to take a second to talk about power building, our Lord and Savior power building? <laughs> uh, what, what do we want to talk about? Where, where do we want to start? I don't know. I just feel like that's what Paul's <laughs> describing right there where you're like working up to a max on bench and then doing like you know, 12 sets of chest volume in the same session. I think it, it, it power building probably works for all the people that really believe in it. Cause there is a such thing <laughs> as placebo effect. So if you believe that it's working, it's probably working. So you can put power building in with Santa Claus. If you believe in it, it's, it's, it's real for you. And it means yeah. a lot to you. Yeah. But Paul and Dom and Jay, of course. How would you structure someone who's moving maybe in the opposite direction? Let's say that they've been an enhanced bodybuilder for a while. They realize that their career is over or at a point where they no longer want to compete in bodybuilding anymore. And they are now transitioning over to a above the influence drug-free lifestyle. What changes to training um, might you make? Just stop doing that. Yeah, just why, why are you even bothering? <laughs> you know how disappointing it's going to be? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Prepare oh. yourself for disappointment. Um, well, to add, to add to the enhanced, going enhanced, I think one thing you could do, what I like to do is probably introduce the more frequent stuff. That's one thing that I like to do is like if they need – like you can, I think you can increase specificity more when somebody becomes enhanced, like more volume for their back or something like that throughout the week through, um, through an increase in frequency. So like going yeah. from maybe like two times a week to three times a week or three to four times a week. Yeah. Even if it's just a movement, like I think it just, cause of the aided recovery, Yeah, it's not like a huge increase in volume, but it's a good increase in exposure in my, that's how I look at it. Yeah, but uh, all the back to being miserable. Back to being um, miserable. But I was gonna say, like, all the frequency literature is obviously on natural lifters, and they, and from what Paul has found in in that research that he showed me, it's you know kind of marginal difference going from two times a week, maybe up to like three times a week or four times a week of frequency. But you know, if you have something in there that can possibly increase your recovery capacity, allow you to do more volume over time, possibly there's an increase in. Uh, in hypertrophy over time due to an increase in frequency? Well, I think it's a natural progression, right? Like to an extent, these compounds should allow you to handle more volume than without, right? And I, I've actually changed my position to where I, I now allow volume to dictate frequency, right? Because there's only a certain number of sets that you're gonna be able to do in any one day and get take advantage of that work you know, before additional sets become ultimately diminishing returns, right? So at some point, you know, maybe after somewhere, and it's generally sort of agreed right now that the sort of optimal session volume for an individual muscle is probably somewhere around five to eight sets. So once you get beyond that point, if you're already doing um, sort of that, that maximal amount of volume, within a session and you're going to add more volume, the natural progression there is, hey, let's try to add that to a third day, right? I don't know. I saw a bikini girl post something where she was doing 24 sets of quads in a single workout, so. Dude, I know somebody that does 10 sets of 10 for hack squats. Oh. I was just gonna, I was just about to make that comment, is like when I think about the really good drug-free bodybuilders, they do things that look like what enhanced lifters do. Like Doug Miller, who's arguably probably, I mean, I guess there are some, some drug free guys that are pretty on to his or on his level right now. Like Doug Miller was known for doing like 
German volume training. Like he's like, I'm going to do 10 sets of 10 on the deadlift. And he would just knock those out. And it was like, I couldn't survive that. Most drug free competitors couldn't survive that. But for whatever reason, it a lot of for him. drug competitors, I mean, and what's crazy, like you have people pumping up GVT occasionally, it makes its rounds. And it's like, all, all the research on that shows that it sucks. <laughs> but if you look at Doug Miller, like it worked. Um, Garino he's also Mackey. the biggest out. He's an outlier of all exactly. outliers. Right? Oh, like, for sure. He's also aren't in him. He wasn't yeah, in but, study. Like, even, all the participants in the study were Doug Miller clones. They just <laughs> cloned Doug Miller a bunch. They're like, we sampled 1,000 Doug Millers. <laughs> but even like Garino Mackey, I watched, uh, you know, because he has a pro card as a drug-free competitor. And I look at his training, I'm like, who could survive through that? Like, who would do that much volume? But it's just, it's almost like genetics have just have decided that these outliers can kind of get away with some things that even enhanced people may not be able to get away with. And Side I always tangent. come back to think, like, if folks like Doug Miller optimized their training, would it even matter? Would the, would the outcome change that much? Dude, this guy's natural. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. like, like yeah. what? There's levels. There's levels. Oh, so dumb. Yeah. So yeah. like, if Doug like watched the Gifted Performance podcast and he was like, you know what, these guys are right. Maybe GVT it ain't for me. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna use their recommendations. And Paul said to do five to eight sets per. Like, is he gonna have this like resurgence in his physique where it's like, oh my god, like Doug went to the next level. And I, I don't think know why. Probably. Doug can do whatever Doug wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it goes back to the point, like back to the you know our original conversation. You should probably not follow anybody else's program. Like if somebody says, "Hey, follow my program verbatim," you probably should not do that because if Doug Miller tells you to follow his program, you're going to break yourself in half. So I think that original sort of very superficial statement on its face makes no sense because you just shouldn't follow anybody's program like this is the way it is like anybody that tells you do the same like if i hand you my spreadsheet and go this is what i'm doing you should do the same thing you should probably immediately kind of take some steps back regardless of whether or not they're enhanced or not so getting Dude, back, this is pretty wild this guy's natural yeah doug is something else <laughs> but uh <laughs> so there's a lot of people that'll probably tell you that he's not natural um, but getting back to the original, Paul, what would be some, we'll start with you, what would be some of the changes that you would make to someone's program if they were coming from like an advanced bodybuilding background and they said, hey, you know, I want to take the, the requisite seven years off from competing before I can switch over to the INBF or whatever it is. Like, what, what would you change about their program in those first couple of months? Honestly, I, I would do what I sort of already do when an individual is going to their TRT doses, their HRT doses. And ultimately, like, I'm sorry, dude, but like in that condition, you're just you're you're not making your best progress. And that's to put it as lightly as possible. Like, so there there really is no reason to beat the fuck out of you. And have you do ask tons of volume like this, that you're just getting worse from here slowly. Right. You know, um, but I mean, over time, I, I would attempt to do things like specialization cycles and things like that. But I mean, ultimately, I mean, just being honest, like you're, you're just getting worse from there. Thanks, Paul. This feels this <laughs> but if you, but if you go to giftedperformance.com slash Paul dash Serafini, you can get worse at the slowest rate possible <laughs> with expert guidance on training. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but he's not wrong. You he's are not going to get he's worse. Not wrong at all yeah going from super physiological back down to physiological is not something that acts in your benefit and you might not even go back to physiological you might go back to sub physiological oh yeah i hope you're ready for hrt or trt but i mean we've even seen this in like the ufc man remember when they banned trt like dudes went from looking straight fucking ripped like comic book characters to like just soft body fucking <laughs> regular ass dudes <laughs> Just Walmart checkout guys in there throwing hands with each other. <laughs> Who wants to watch that? Dana, come on. Ease up on those PED restrictions a little bit and make it fun. What would the WWE do? 
You know, yeah, right. <laughs> the WWE's kind of like some soft bodies too. Like I see like these guys that are coming out now, they're not they're not the Triple H's, they're not the Bautistas, the rocks of the world anymore. John they're these like I mean, if you like like dudes with big titties, like they got big titties, but yeah, it's I don't know. I don't want to get suplexed by a dude with, you know, like probably C cups at the smallest. Just potato humans running at each other. What are the changes, Mike, you guys make? Is that pretty much it? Kind of like it's it starts as, as it would with any other client. You kind of bring them in, assess the baseline, see how they respond, and manipulate the variables from there. I kind I think of think that, that like, would uh, be your only way of direction. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of see it like towards the tail end of a competition prep with a drug-free athlete. When they're really lean, you're kind of just trying to hold the line. And I, I assume that would be the same thing with someone that's, you know, going from PEDs to not or enhanced to not. That's always seems like such a weird term enhanced, um, but I'll use it. But going from enhanced to not, it just seems like you're just like, let's just hold the line. But when we can't, we just, you know, just try to claw to whatever progress you were previously making and just understand that it's all going to go away pretty soon. I kind of. You know what? I, I kind of like the word enhanced. I think enhanced is a good way to describe it because it enhances your physiology. It doesn't change your physiology. So unless you're unless you're a female, then there are some changes. Or what if you have like really really bad genetics? Are there? Pe I mean, I assume there has to be people that don't get as much of a response. I'm sure those are the people that have probably. I mean, there's. I remember back in the day there, I remember getting to this long conversation via DMS on Instagram with one of these guys that ran one of the, at the time, popular bodybuilding sites. And he swore that I was not drug free. And I You're said, not. listen, man, <laughs> well, yeah, but I was like, at the time I was like, I'm, th I was like 32 years old. I'm like, I'm 32 years old. I've weighed the exact same thing for like 10 years. Like what, what am I doing? So I must have either just shitty genetics or I have no idea what I'm doing. But then it made me realize there's people that made far less progress than I made. And they just assume that everybody else must be using something. Well, there's kind of two layers to the genetic component there, right? There's like how you respond and like how much you can tolerate, right? And the guys on the Olympia stage are probably the ones that respond the best and can tolerate the most. That's kind of the way I look at it. I mean, maybe it depends. I bet it's all over the place. I bet there are guys on the O stage that just respond really well and don't even tolerate that much, nor do they need, you know? I'm sure those guys are a dime a dozen, but no, I mean, I have a similar story to Jay. I remember back like a, literally about a decade ago, some kid walked up to me in the gym was like, hey, how do you, how do you, what do you do for your acne? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> What's your skincare routine, dude? <laughs> yeah, he was like smaller than me. And I was like, oh, like I'm natural, dude. And he went on to tell me about his, his cycle that was two grams of gear, a very hefty dose. And I was just like, man, you, you look more natural than I look. <laughs> just imagine how, how crushing of a blow that is. I, I assume it's just, it's just as crushing as like when I look at someone, like I look at Doug Miller, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Why did I even do that? Why did I even compete? Like there was no chance. Jay, you, myself, and Paul share an acquaintance who used to speak about doing uh, going the enhanced route, and he used to talk to me about it quite a lot. And I was just like, "Man, like, just don't, just, just don't do it. Like, you're gonna understand how painfully mediocre the rest of your lifting career is if you take that plunge because it's probably not gonna go well." We I had a very different conversation. I got tired of hearing him talking about how much he was gonna do it, and I was just like, dude, just please just fucking do it. Just <laughs> I think this it. is the same individual I, I that told me <clears throat> until you do it. I think it's the same individual. Before I started working with him, he told me that he had an IFBB level back. <laughs> <laughs> Same individual told me that Olympic weightlifting would not improve the size of my calves. I think that was the last thing he ever said to me was the snatch and the clean and jerk won't make your calves any bigger. Really? Wow. All right, gents. We kind of came full circle there. 
we we started off with Mike Boyle. Mike, we love you. We will 100% tag you here, and we are open to any dialogue, debate, conversation that you'd like to have with us. Um, yeah, I don't know him. On the topic. <laughs> well, you're gonna. You're gonna. Um, we are not sitting here and, and bashing someone without giving them a chance to respond. So if you do want to respond, come on through. We would love to have you on the Gifted Podcast. Um, Paul has a module in the Enhancing Responsibly course, which is currently open for pre-registration. The link can be found right down there. Get your $4.99 pre-registration today. That gets you over $800 worth of value. Gets you access to all 10 modules as well as add-on modules from there. But Paul has a module within the add-ons that is about training for the enhanced individual. Paul, do you wanna give a brief synopsis of that to wrap us up here? I mean, ultimately, it's just going to be a module and just sort of getting into the differences um, and, and expectations that you might run across going from natural to enhance and, and the considerations that you want, just getting a little deeper into the considerations you might want to have and maybe having a, a more practical look at that within the module. Sweet. I'm looking forward to it. I've already pre-registered. Jay, have you, did you pre-register? <clears throat> Absolutely. My wife approved that payment yes. a few weeks ago. Dom, so I'm Dom bought two copies, so he'll be gifting two copies <laughs> to the first In people. In giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> In our next giveaway. Um, that's going to wrap us up for the day. Actually, Dom, Jay, you know, I never give you guys a chance for any closing words, and I feel bad yeah, about that. Give me, closing, like give me closing words. Every uh, Monday, what should the people be listening to? To my podcast. Come on now. Corner. Sit in the corner with Kuza. Jay. I actually recorded I recorded my episode today. It was a good one. What's it about? Toxic positivity. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, you know, like people hyping people each other commenting up. people commenting bullshit on people's pictures and making them delusional. I like it. I like it. Jay, closing words for the people. <clears throat> uh, stay tuned for me to use social media in the near future. Uh, like more than once? More than four times in a year, unlike last year. Dude, underneath, underneath that handsome face of Jay's is his Instagram tag that he is now going to use, I guess. Yeah. So throw the man a follow and yeah. uh, view some of that content that he's got coming your way. For me, I, I got nothing. I got like fucking 30 responses to this top five Pop-Tarts thing. I got to go I gotta go record those and respond to them right now because some people are saying some hectic shit over there. Um, so I'm going to rush on out of here. Thank you for watching. Thank you for your like, your comment, your subscribe, all those good stuff, all that good stuff. We love you for that. Um, in the meantime, in between times, and as always, stay gifted, my friends. Bye. Cut.